Come along, children. Let me tell you a story. Okay, page 33 of In a Glass Crema. And enjoy the ominous waves in the background for ambiance. Okay. Silence again, he smiled. The queen raised an eyebrow. Well, she demanded impatiently, where is it? I can't show it to you here, Anderson cried, surprised. Your majesty, this is the finest silk in all the world. The emperor of Japan offered me a thousand camels for it. The sultan of Arabia offered me every single buffalo he owned. To the great Khan in China offered to not cut off my head if I gave it to him. I refused them all. I wanted to save it for you, your majesty. Now, having traveled all these millions of miles home, I will show it to no one but you. Very well, the queen announced. Everyone leave at once. I will examine the silk alone. Her husband, the king, gave her a plaintive look. Plaintive look. But she just raised an icy eyebrow at him. He, the courtiers, the guards, and the servants all left the room. Jill was last to leave. As she was about to close the door behind her, the old merchant said, Wait. Jill paused and looked back. "'Princess, would you mind staying a moment?' the merchant asked. The queen raised her eyebrows at him. He ignored her. "'Come in, come in, and close the door behind you,' he said with a smile. Then, turning to the queen, he said, "'I am sorry, your majesty, but you are far taller than I remembered. "'You see, the great, queen, the great queens and empresses of the east are all very small, "'some no taller than my knee.' I knew you were taller than that, but I thought you were, perhaps, the size of the beautiful princess here. I'm afraid I haven't enough silk for a dress that will fit your statuesque majesty. He looked down at the floor as if he were ashamed. You're going to make a dress for my daughter? The queen exclaimed, on my half-birthday? When is the princess's half-birthday? The merchant asked innocently. Or her real birthday, for that matter. I could return then. I have a birthday, little Jill wondered. She thought only the queen had a birthday. She knew that she hadn't always been alive, of course, but it hadn't ever occurred to her that she, or anyone besides her mother, in fact, had been born on one specific day. It was almost a silly idea. People besides her mother having a birthday? The queen's lovely complexion reddened until Jill thought she might be having a heart attack, like that fat, Oh my god. Lord did two Christmases ago. But her mother merely said, in a tight, clipped voice, Let me see the silk. The merchant nodded affably and placed his broad fabric bag before him. He opened it. He put two he put both hands beside, moved to unfold something, and then, very slowly, drew his hands out of the bag again. He was quite the showman. His hands were a yard apart. His fingers were pressed tightly together. His eyes ran back and forth over the distance between them. Over nothing. Magnificent, isn't it? He sighed. The most exquisite silk I have ever seen. Jill stole a glance at her mother. The queen was staring, wide-eyed, at the empty space between his hands. Jill turned back to the merchant and mimicked her mother's facial expression exactly. You don't see it, do you? The merchant went on. Only the finest eye can see the silks this majestic, this perfect. I was nearly stoned to death in the kingdom of Tartars because the king claimed that I had no silk at all. 
But then his wife came in and laughed in his face. You don't see it, do you? You're the most exquisite. You see the most exquisite piece of silk that has ever been. Oh, yes, the queen said. And suddenly her, fo- her voice took on a dreamy languor. It's, it's wonderful. Just perfect. I didn't think there could be a silk so fine, she glanced at Jill. Do you see it, child? Oh, yes, Jill said, echoing her mother's dreamy tone. It's wonderful, it's wonderful, seeing nothing, she dared say nothing more. The colors radiate and shine up and down the thread. Do they not, the merchant asked, as if a rainbow were running to keep up with the sun? Yes, that's just how I would describe it, the queen exclaimed. Like a rainbow, or like autumn leaves. When the colors are changing, she glanced up at the merchant hesitantly. Hesitantly? Oh, your majesty, you are a poet. Yes, I couldn't have said it better myself. Jill stammered. It's like, like gold pieces, kissed with the colors of the sunset, she tried. Yes, yes it is, the merchant cried, and his smile stretched across his smooth face. It is more like autumn leaves, Jill, said her mother coldly. Wouldn't you say, Anderson? Of course, your majesty, he said, folding his smile away like an apparition apparition of silk. But the princess had learned good taste from her mother. Lord knows I try, the queen sighed. <sighs> then, she said, there is not enough silk to make a gown for me. Alas, your majesty, the merchant replied. Jill thought she saw his pale eyes flit to hers for a moment, and that in that moment there was heat, danger, but then it was gone. Alas, no, I have just enough thread, I think, to weave for a dress for the princess. The queen, having seen the silk, did not seem so angry as she had before about not receiving the gift herself. How long will it take? she asked. If you were to give me use of a loom in the castle and all the thread I needed and food and drink and money for expenses, I think I could have the dress done in a month. A month? the queen exclaimed. She eyed the merchant skeptically. Make it three weeks. Fine, the merchant said, but I'll have to be up all night, every night. Three weeks it is then, the queen announced. My little girl will wear this dress in the royal procession three weeks from today. Now, at this point, perhaps you think you know the story, and I'm sure you've heard some version of it, version of it, mangled and strangled, and made almost sweet by years and years of telling it to little children, but the way you know it is not the way it happened. The real way is different. The very next morning, Jill climbed the castle's highest turret. There, she found the old merchant already at work. He pumped the loom pedal with his feet as he wove the shuttle up and down, up and down. Jill stared at his hands, picking nimbly at the space where the shuttle wove. There was nothing there, nothing at all on the loom. She was sure of it. Just then, the merchant looked up. Their eyes met. Again, she felt the heat, that danger, but just for an instant. It passed, and the merchant said, "'What do you think of my work, princess?' She walked slowly over to the loom. His feet stopped pumping. The shuttle hovered in the air where the material should have been. She surveyed nothing. Do you see it, child? The queen queen had asked. Jill looked up at the merchant. My mother was right, she said. It is more like autumn leaves. The merchant smiled. Yes, my dear. Well, you can always hope to be as wise and beautiful as your mother one day. It's a worthy goal for any daughter. 
Jill looked at the floor, curtsied, and turned to leave. But she ran directly into the king, who was coming to inspect the merchant's gift. He was followed by his friend and confidant, Lord Borley. "'And where is this wonderful silk?' Lord Borley demanded as he crossed the threshold, his monocle fixed firmly between his left eyebrow and the top of his fleshy cheek. Then his eyes fell on the loom. His eyebrows shot up his forehead. His monocle fell to the floor and shattered. At his side, the king stared wordlessly. "'Stunning, isn't it, your majesty?' the merchant said. "'Uh,' the king began. "'The princess was just telling me that she has to come to the option.' opinion that your wife was the most apt in describing the silk as like autumn leaves weren't you princess and he smiled at her yes she said studying the faces of lord borley and the king curiously i was aha said lord borley yes i see it now it's hard to catch at first so subtle so fine but yes it's magnificent he walked up to the loom to inspect more closely yes autumn leaves i i see that but what about the peacock feathers, eh? Wouldn't you say that hits a little closer to home, Anderson? The merchant considered, considered this. It may, he said at length. It just may. The king had, by this point, come up closer to the loom. He was still inspecting it when the merchant asked him. And you, your highness, what would you say it looked most like? Lord Borley's peacock feathers? Or your wife's leaves? Or, he added... Gold pieces kissed by the colors of sunset. That was the princess's description. It was, was it? The king squinted at her and then turned back to the loom. After a moment, he straightened up. Well, I agree with my daughter. Gold pieces, absolutely. Lord Borley looked crestfallen. You wouldn't say peacock feathers, your highness? The king looked at Jill. She shrugged her small shoulders. He looked up, back up. Oh my gosh. He looked back at Borley. I most certainly would not, he said gold pieces at sunset if anything leaves maybe but really gold at sunset in fact he said raising his voice and pointing one finger at the ceiling i don't think i've ever seen a color so gold at sunset like this he reached out and shook the merchant's hand my good sir thank you for bringing us this magnificent specimen i cannot wait to see my daughter arrayed in such a stunning gown he smiled at jill and then turned and led lord borley from the room jill looked at the merchant he was staring after the two men, wonderingly, smiling. She watched him for a moment and then slipped out the door. Jill sat in her mother's room, watching the queen sample different, different shades of eyeshadow that had been given to her for her half-birthday. After a while, she said, Mother, can I tell you something? Hmm, she replied her mother absently. Jill studied the queen's beautiful features. Mother, sometimes I can't see the silk. The queen stopped dabbing at her makeup, and then her eyes connected to the looking glass. Slowly, her mother said, sometimes? Jill sucked in her breath. Her mother knew. She knew Jill couldn't see it. She was so disappointed. Yes, Jill said hurriedly. Sometimes I see it as if it were the brightest, most beautiful thing in the world. And then she added quietly, except you. Her mother's eyes slid back into the mirror. She did look disappointed. Her voice was flat when she said, Well, perhaps one day you'll learn to see it all the time. It takes a truly refined eye. The next day, Jill returned to the turret room. The merchant was still working away at the invisible silk, pumping and picking and weaving. Jill watched him from the doorway. 
After a while, he looked up. Ah, princess, a pleasure to see you, he said. Come in, come in. Look at what I'm working on now, Jill approached. It's a hem, he said. Can't you see it? Along the edge are running a slightly different color. Something like the red mud at the banks of a yellow river. Do you see? Jill stared. She saw nothing. She hesitated. At last, she said, yes. The merchant looked up from the loom. His eyes were so pale. Do you see it, Jill? Jill shivered. Then she heard her mother say, perhaps one day you'll learn to see it all the time. Of course I can, she told the merchant. 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 Then she left. At last, the day came. Jill was very, was woken very, very early in the morning to help her mother bathe. As she rubbed the bath oils and soap into her mother's smooth skin, she said, Mother, do you think I will look beautiful today? The soapy water, lapping gently against the edge of the tub, was the only sound in the room. Then, slowly, the queen turned to her daughter. Jill could see her mother's eyes working up and down her face. At last, the queen said, Perhaps you will. And she smiled. Jill's heart sang. After Jill had bathed herself, the merchant came into her dressing room. He held his hands out wide before him. He beamed. He looked at the space between his hands and then back at Jill. Well, he said, what do you think? Jill stared. She saw nothing. I, she began, then she stopped. Yes, the merchant said, frowning. I don't, she said again. His frown deepened. Go on. She opened her mouth to speak, and then in her mind she heard the words, Perhaps you will. And she said, Will you help me put it on? The merchant smiled. Of course, your highness. He did not look at her when she dropped her towel. His voice was tight as his eyelids when he said, No underclothes, your highness. The silk will bunch up around it. Slowly, with eyes closed, the merchant lowered the dress over Jill's head. Light as hair, isn't it? he said wistfully. She nodded and swallowed. Her eyes, too, were closed. And she concentrated on how beautiful her mother always looked, how graceful and lovely she was. And then Jill opened her eyes and looked at herself in the mirror. She caught her breath, a silken gown, as fine and shimmering as any that had ever been hung weightless over her slender little shoulders it was red and orange and blue and yellow just exactly like a glittering sun dappled pile of coins as the sky is fading from pink to black 